Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 174. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, Richard Ryerson here. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hey, keep those emails coming. I love hearing from you. Thanks for all the support, all the fans out there. If you got a question about leadership, if you're having a leadership challenge, let me hear about it. I love to answer your questions. I might even answered on the air if it's a pertinent one I think the whole audience can can benefit from but let me hear from you I love uh, the support that you're giving to me and if, if you haven't done so already please subscribe to the show on iTunes leave a rating and review it does so much for the support and the visibility that's all I ask for you to listen to this great free content and again thank you for your support hey I want to introduce my brand new partners to the show 99designs and when I was starting out on this entrepreneur path I stressed about the graphic design element, the web design elements. You know, I want to encourage you to go check out 99designs because working with an individual graphic designer can be good, but it has its limitations. You know, timing is one thing. If you want dozens of designs to choose from in just seven days, well, I encourage you to visit 99designs.com slash leadership and get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free. Go check them out. Well, so excited to have on the show today, Tom Dowd. He's also known as Transformation Tom. He's a graduate of the University of Delaware with a communication degree concentrating on interpersonal and organizational communication. Tom is a prize-winning speaker, an award-winning and Amazon best-selling author, trainer, coach, and he's a radio host too, all spurred by his need to be more than a painfully shy and introverted individual on a roller coaster ride of success. Tom, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Oh, Rich, thanks for having me. Much well, appreciate it. You know, I always appreciate and love talking with guys. I was reading your, your full-length bio early this morning, you know, and it sounds like you had a similar kind of path as, as me, kind of, you know, going on that corporate path and you're just kind of finding out, hey, there's got to be something more to life than just kind of punching the clock and kind of a search for significance. Anyway, that's kind of what I gathered out of, out of pulling out of your bio. Did I kind of capture the essence of that? I mean, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, it did, and there's a couple parts that are in there. Is one, I didn't make the choice; it was made. Yeah, that's right. Me. You're actually right. You um, made the <laughs> uh, on June 6th of 2013, a day I affectionately like to call D-Day or Displacement Day. I lost my job due to cost cuts, and so I had been for many years uh, teaching people on the side. I have a side business all on resume writing, interviewing, network, and communication effectiveness, really telling people to, that they can do more than just survive their job. They can thrive in it. And so I all of a sudden lost my job. And instead of panicking, um, I actually somehow got a clear set of mindset, and I was able to ask the question, well, did it have anything to do with my performance? And this person, who I had only met once before on the phone, said, no, it didn't. And from that point forward, I knew that it wasn't personal. It was a business decision. And from there, I continued to do my self my self-interest of, of teaching people how to find a job while I was looking for my own. And I was going from Maine down to Boston to job seeking groups and networking groups. And, and all of a sudden people were having, where I thought I was having credibility. People were sharing these deep, 
deeper conversations that they wouldn't have with other speakers because I was going through it with them. And that's where the newest book came from, Displacement Day, when my job was looking for a job. And part there, there's so many things that we can talk about it, but there are so many things in there that are lessons learned on my journey that people shared with me. Um, part of it was the mindset, but part of it was really just looking down to say, what do you really want? And so I asked myself the question, do I still want to be in the corporate world? Do I want to be a speaker, a trainer, a coach, an author? And by the way, my answer was yes to all of that. Right, yeah. Um, and, and so the one thing that was different in, in what you chose to do is I chose to go back to the corporate world, but I, I was very concentrated on where I was looking and how I was doing it and through networking, which is a very powerful thing, by the way, where research will tell you 85% of all people get their job because of networking. I landed in a, a corporation that is fantastic to its people, fantastic to its customers, a great culture. And I'm working for an individual that not only supports what I'm doing on the side, he actually encourages it. And it's, it's part of the corporate culture that just permeates through. Uh, if you can teach others to be better and develop them, bring it on. And so I actually have the best of all worlds. And even just even further to, to that is I accepted the job knowing I'd have to commute an hour and 40 minutes each day. Oh, wow. And I landed, I flew down to the headquarters for the very first day, talked to my boss, and I said, so through my research, I understand this company's pretty progressive. And he says, yeah, we are. And I said, well, what are your thoughts about working remotely periodically? And he said, I don't care where you work, just get the job done. And I found an office that's a seven-minute walk from my house. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so everything always works out for people say it works out for the best, and it does when you put the right effort in. Well, you know, it, it, I'm still in the corporate arena with you as well, you know, and I was forced out into when I got furloughed from American Airlines and I got laid off after September 11th. And um, so we're a lot more familiar than you than you think. I, I, I'm interested when you said that you got a boss that supports it. I have one too, but even as a fresh of today, um, there are, there are some that do and that some that don't. And there's some that almost feel almost, um, I don't know if the word threatens the right word, but it's almost like when um, I've talked about leadership and how it is, some people feel, threat. I guess threaten is the best word for it. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Yeah, I mean, there are people that are on a power kick. There are people that just want, that, that lead through fear. Um, and it, it's funny because... You know, there are so many different styles. In my first book, The Transformation of a Dowling Thomas, Growing from a Cynic to a Professional in the Corporate World, talks about my first 18 years in the corporate world. And it was one of those, I was truly cynical. Yeah. <laughs> I was defensive. It was never my fault. It was never my problem. And I didn't take the feedback, the, these gifts that were being handed to me. Well, my company, which was 28,000 people at the time, turned into 300,000 overnight. We were taken over. And I had a choice to make, and and most of it had to do with my attitude. And that attitude was, you know, I can get lost in what's going on here and hope that no one finds me amongst these 300,000 people. I can stop being on this roller coaster ride and start to proactively take control of my career. 
which I did. And so I found a mentor. I became a mentor. I joined Toastmasters International because I needed to work on my communication skills and confidence level. And so the reason I share this story with you is part of that self-awareness was to learn to go with the flow, learn to adapt to others, and learn to work with people. You can't – there uh, there are these stories of – Gather up all the people that are bothering you and let me get rid of them for you. is isn't going to happen. Right, exactly. <laughs> it, it, but it's how I dealt with people. And being painfully shy and introverted, I really didn't know how to deal with people, but I learned, and you learn by listening. You learn by asking questions. You learn by under by asking the question, not what's in it for me, but what's in it for them. And you and all of a sudden, I started to find success when I started to build relationships. So to come back to your original point, I used to blame everything on my managers. And there were people who challenged me. There were people who, who may be threatening of this. But what I hold myself accountable for is to teach them what, what benefits it can give to the company, it can give to them. Uh, and some of those benefits are I've become an extraordinary time manager because I have to be. And so my boss knows that I can share time management tips with people who might be struggling. I've become a much better communicator because of my efforts. And I've learned how to influence, have the power and influence and persuasion skills that I didn't have many years ago because of my work with people. So when when people who may even be skeptical or threatened by it, they need to understand what I can bring to them. And I can help them, I can help the people that they work with, and there's still gonna be some people that, that are still turned off by it, but you know, when, when they know where my priorities are, my priorities are my full-time job. When they know that you know, I'm not going to go off and misrepresent the company in any which way. And more importantly, that my work, my primary work is getting done. Um, at the end of the day, I think most people end up turning the, towards the right way with it. Yeah. I love how you said you were introverted. I, you know, I classified myself, and I still consider myself an introverted leader. Um, you know, I was leading a mastermind group last week, and we were talking about, you know how, like, when you, you throw people into a brand-new setting, say it could be, Hey, we need, I don't know, you're at the, the parent, your kid's uh, little league team and someone needs to be the snack Nazi, you know what I mean? And so there's always that, that type A gregarious person that kind of takes control of the room. And I always contend and argue that that person isn't always necessarily the best leader. And I know my introversion has um, caused me to, it's taken a lot longer for people to kind of uh, I guess no like and trust me, you know, and I think so. Sometimes that introversion has, has drove me, drove me crazy. But at the, and when I look back on it, I actually think it's kind of a strength. What What is your take on that? Well, there's a couple things that are in there. First, the loudest person in the room isn't always the best leader. Uh, when it comes to you know, one of the things that I that I learned because I moved eight times as a kid, and and, and then when I started working. I had over my first 23 years in working, I had I averaged 18 months of position. So I was constantly on the go, constantly in new environments, and that adaptability actually made me stronger. And the reason I bring that up is as a painfully shy and introverted, and yes, I'm still in the present tense as well, consider myself shy, is you learn that it's okay. 
Because right. you, you think about it, it's just, it's just characteristic that it's, it's thought about as negative. And you get these negative connotations that are there. But what I started to figure out over time is I wasn't the most boisterous, but I was paying attention. And I was listening to what people had to say, and I was becoming intuitive. And all of a sudden, people started to migrate to me because they knew I'd have a real conversation with them. I wasn't going to talk at them. I wasn't going to talk over them. I was just going to sit and listen to them. And it became, again, back to what's in it for them. They had an ear, and they could talk. We can communicate. And all of a sudden, I was... As a better listener, I was becoming a better business partner, and all of a sudden, I they start to say, "Well, Tom, what's your opinion?" So when I did say something, it was considered important, and so I started to see that as a strength of I. I stopped talking over people. I became a better listener. I saw the power in, in of just building these relationships. And so it became a strength of mine and was no longer a concern. Now, what I had to work on was my confidence. And I had been, I was a communication major in college, but I was told for 18 years on the job in my performance appraisals that I couldn't communicate. And it had to do with being shy. You just throw out first thought that comes to mind and hope that it just goes away or you you speak over people and you don't stop talking until you're done with your thought and then you just you know hope no one ever responds or retorts <laughs> right and, and so it, it was deemed as poor communication but in reality it had everything to do with confidence and that's where uh, i think the toastmasters training and for those that don't know what toastmasters is it's a group of 300,000 people worldwide that deals with public speaking and communication effectiveness and leadership. And it all of a sudden, I realized I could communicate. I just needed the confidence to do it. Right. And so, and you can be confident and shy, and, and that's actually a, it is a strength. Yeah, you know, when I read it, it reminds me of when you read um, from Jim Collins, and I've mentioned this several times on the show, but you read Jim Collins' chapter from Good to Great on Level 5 Leadership, where it's okay to be that kind of self, you know, that, you know, some of the great leaders are those self-effacing, humble, they're not necessarily the type A, larger-than-life John Wayne figures that we stereotypically associate with leadership. Hey, halfway through the show, I want to take some time out, just a brief moment, to talk about my partners at 99designs. You know, if you were like me in the beginning, I remember I was dreaming of a logo, a perfect website design, but I didn't know how to get started. I was worried about a budget. Well, that's where 99designs came in, and they can certainly help. 99designs is the world's largest graphic design marketplace, and it makes it easy for you to to get a design that you love. Just go to their website, tell them about the design you need, and pick a price package that works for you. And that's where the fun really starts up, and this is what I loved about the process. Designers from all around the world will submit awesome designs, and you give them your feedback. And within a week, you get to pick out your favorite and be the proud owner of a gorgeous unique new design with thousands of designers at your fingertips there's no limit to what you can get designed i've used 99 designs and i love working with them and what they did for me so what is it that you need you can boost your brand's visibility with a t-shirt drive more traffic with a sleek new banner ad or a landing page whatever it is you need projects start at just 199 dollars, and your happiness is always 100 percent guaranteed visit 99designs.com slash leadership and you can get a 99 dollars power pack of services absolutely free today go check them out 
you know, and the question is, how do you, how do you become confident? So how did you do it? I mean, what, what, what are the tactics and the techniques to really build your confidence? How do you do it? Well, you, you learn, I learned to be me. Uh, and, and I know that's yeah. easy to say, extremely hard to do, but when you're trying to, you're, you're up against all these type A personalities and everyone's trying to climb the corporate ladder. And so you start to make enemies that way and you have people stabbing you in the back and, and when you're taken over by by a company and you're all of a sudden go from 28 to 300,000 people, was, I had to take accountability for myself. And I gained confidence when I became aware of who I was and who I wanted to be. And and so that's you mentioned in the or in the bio that I'm Transformation Tom. Well, Transformation Tom came about from this guy who didn't know who he was and who he wanted to be. He wanted to be successful. He just didn't know how to get there. And, and no, I don't always talk about myself in the third party. <laughs> but yeah. it, transformation time was I had to figure out that I could make a difference. And so I learned about self-awareness and I really started to do some self-assessments. And I found some mentors, people that would hit me square between the eyes. I became this mentor and all of a sudden this teacher was becoming the student and I was learning from the people because I was learning how to communicate. I was learning to be a better listener. Um, I was learning how to solve problems. And then the most important part of all was the belief that I could make a difference. And, and I really started to believe that I could do this. And that comes with the confidence. You, you start to build confidence when people you're talking to start to really listen and you're starting to influence them and, and you're starting to see this. And confidence comes with little pieces of success. And so the more actions I took, the more success I found, the more mistakes I made, and willingness to continue to take to take them on, the more success I found, and, and it was my confidence went up because I wasn't trying to be the guy in the room right. that wins everyone over. I became the guy who simply just wanted to get the job done. I wanted to build strong relationships, which I wasn't doing earlier in my career, and I was gaining confidence in my own abilities. I wasn't I, I wasn't gaining confidence because I hoped I gained confidence because I was taking action. And, and the more mistakes I made, the more I learned. And I was okay with that. And, and those are the techniques that I started to do is I started to be proactive about joining Toastmasters or reaching out to find a mentor. So those are the things when you say help, I need help and ask for it. And all of a sudden you get it. You start to find success along with that confidence. Yeah, you said so many great things there, and I think the, right from the get-go, and you hit it right on the head, this idea of authenticity, stop trying to be somebody that you're not. And I know for me that was huge because when I first joined the Marine Corps and the people that really did resonate and that were ranked high when we, we ranked each other in these peer evaluations, it was always the type A gregarious, <clears throat> you know, stereotypical, <laughs> stereotypical hey, I'm a Marine, look at me. And what was interesting as the six months went on in this infantry school, before I went to flight school is there was a shift and the guys like myself who were more quiet and to, to your point, um, we kind of, it flipped and the, the larger than life gregarious, what I, what I found a lot of times that's an insecurity. Someone's covering an insecurity with that kind of bravado. And, um, 
I don't know. I think it's it's interesting, and there's there's a time and place for that kind of type A mentality, and some people gravitate towards it. But I I love how you said, especially for the introverted leaders out there, the moment you stop trying to be somebody that you're not, there's a great freedom that's involved, and that that's where a natural, authentic confidence kind of it kind of erupts. And I would say to the shy folks out there, and there's plenty of them, is we all have a story to tell. Yeah, I love that. Message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the reason why I'm okay getting up on a stage and speaking to one person or thousands of people is because I learned that my message resonated with people or that I found a way to relate it to people. And when you start to have real conversations and you start to relate conversations and it's no longer about you, it's about other people in your audience, you, you gain. You continue to gain that confidence, and I, I would just tell people is, is figure out what your story is and figure out what your message is, and and you'll learn to share it. You will, and people would want to listen about it, listen to it. Great advice. I can't. I can't agree with you more. I mean, finding that everybody does have a story, and that you do matter, and it's not about ego either. It's not about highlighting yourself, but everybody does have a story. There is kind of an epidemic of people feeling like I just don't seem to really matter in this world and that is so far from the truth there's so many great stories out there and that's why i love doing this show because i love hearing people's stories what um you know i guess when if somebody could say okay that's fine i i i'm bought into what you're saying tom about i'm introverted i'm shy i want to change my life but at some point it's very scary to go join toastmasters it's very scary to get up and stand in front of a group of people and at some point you're going to have to come and slay the fear dragon head on. Um, <laughs> how do you do that? Well, you, you just nailed my second book. Uh, <laughs> my second book is From Fear to Success, a Practical Public Speaking Guide. And the, the premise in there is that we are surrounded by public speaking opportunities. And so if you think about it, it is, we just talked a little bit about the confidence. And that confidence will take you to different, more more places than you would have ever believed. And the fear we have may not be related to communication skills. It may actually be related to confidence. And we think about public speaking. You say public speaking, the first thought that comes to mind is probably hundreds of people out in front of you while you're up on a stage. But public speaking is having a conversation with someone and sharing messages. And the one-on-one conversation uh, being painfully shy and introverted was just as hard to me as speaking to a hundred people. So I had to learn to speak to that one person. And so it became, how do you have that conversation with one person? If they buy in, then maybe another hundred people behind them might. And so when I'm up on stage now, I'm talking to one person at a time, regardless of how many people are out there. But public speaking is more than just that microphone or that lectern. And the other thing is the ability to speak publicly. It's not as hard as you think. And so I would have these these jitters and these shakes, and um, I have this Irish heritage, so I had the red skin. You know, I would get flushed, and it would come from my neck all the way up to my face and through my ears. And the first thing that came to mind every time I had to get into some type of public speaking situation, every single time was, uh-oh, here it comes again. And so I would feel the heat. And what did that heat do? That took my mind. And it, all of a sudden, my mind is spinning, saying, okay, what can I do to avoid this? Or, or just go away, or whatever it might be. 
And I, that message I worked so hard to craft became secondary. And so some of the things I taught myself through public speaking was the message is the most important thing. Get that message out to the audience that's out there. And so until I actually speak about becoming flushed, I don't even think about it anymore. I could be purple for all I care, but that's irrelevant to the message that I'm sending. And so for those that that are actually on the spectrum of this, yeah, people that are just say, I'm too afraid to get up on stage. You also have the other side of the spectrum that say, I don't need your help. I can, um, you know, like, um, well, um, I, I can publicly speak. <laughs> uh, right. and, and, and those are the people that probably need it the most because they're in denial. <laughs> yep. but, I mean, to come back to your original question is, um, just realize that it is a skill. And it is a skill that can be honed and refined in regardless of how well we think we can speak. And that's why I wrote my book about it, these easily digestible chapters that say, I can read it today and a year from now read that same chapter and it's going to have a different meaning to me because I'm at a different maturity level. We're all working towards that goal of becoming better. Take whatever whatever you feel can help to improve your public speaking, whether it's speaking in front of a mirror, a video camera, practicing your communication while you're driving in the car, um, talking to your dog, um, joining Toastmasters, whatever it may be, uh, find a coach to do it. You can improve it. And those that do, and I spent an hour with someone a couple of weeks ago in an individual coaching session, and she said, I, I can sit here and talk to you all day while I'm sitting. But as soon as I asked her to stand up and give me a two-minute elevator speech about herself, she panicked. And, and so she had instantly convinced herself, self-defeating thoughts, said, you know what? I can't do this, so I won't. And we, and we had her, I had her stand up and read directly off of her paper to me. And she said, okay. I mean, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought. And I said, okay. Now, read from it, but look up periodically. And she did that. And then I said, okay, now just talk to me about the notes. They don't have to be verbatim. Just talk to me about the notes. And she did. So now she's in the third or fourth iteration of this thing. And her comfort level was greater. And that's part of the secret. And by the way, it's not really a secret. The more you do it, the more comfortable you're going to yeah. be. And your goal is to knock off each little edge of fear one piece at a time. And all of a sudden, your confidence is going to go through the roof. Well, you know, you said so many great things about, um, and, I, and I remember, I mean, we've all heard the statistic that more people actually fear speaking than dying. And um, I remember my first speech class, and it was petrifying. But the more the more that I have done it, it's become, like you said, and I think the 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 idea of like it's about getting the message across if you focus on that that really does take a lot of the pressure off or at least a lot of the internal fear about what are they going to think about me because i guess really at the root of it is fear and the fear of i guess rejection failure looking silly and then it's it's kind of like a psychosomatic chain reaction once you start thinking about it so the more that you can just focus on the message uh, the better that it is. And it is such a mental battle. But the, just the overall, even just not even taking about the public speaking piece, but the overcoming the fear piece. Um, I mean, what you said, the tactics and the, and the strategy you're using to get 
over the fear of public speaking really gets at the heart and resonates to how to get over any fear of trying something new, really. I mean, it's the same, it's the same tactics. And so it's almost like you got it's, it's what I heard from that answer is less about trying to eliminate the fear. Like you said, you could be purple in the face. Um, it's actually, you get to the point, and I'm curious if you feel this way, that if the fear is actually, um, when you're feeling it, you're so used to it now, it's almost like it's a good sign. Yeah, I know what this is all about. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I actually, I started asking my question to myself of, is it really fear? Yeah. So I was, I've been involved in speech competitions, and I've been fortunate enough to be one speech away from the world semifinals a couple times. The Toastmasters has these world finals. And so I had some decent success, and I've had some mentors that taught me along the way. In the very first speech contest I was in, I finished in third place out of three people. <laughs> and I was devastated. But <laughs> the first two people could move on to the next level, so I got to move on. And so there I was, moving up in competition, probably not even deserving it. And I was stiff as a board the first time. So someone gave me feedback and said, hey, Tom, you know, you, you should probably use the stage a little bit more. So I used it from left to right, right to left, left to right, right to left. right, And I was all over that stage. And... <laughs> I still finished in second place, so I got to advance on. And the person said to me, "Is all right, maybe, Tom, you, you want to have some useful energy. <laughs> you know, do something on stage and have purpose behind your movement. But by moving back and forth all of a sudden, I realized it was this excitement in getting the message out. And I wasn't let, I was holding my passion in by standing as a board. Yeah. And and so I continued to ask myself, is it really fear or is it excitement in trying to get the message out? And I realized some of it was fear. I'm sure some of it was, was panic somewhere along the line. But it has turned into this, I can't wait to send my message. And maybe that it's adrenaline now. Yeah. And, and not fear. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. And it's, well, even when you talk to actors and who've been on, they, they feel the same thing, you know, for years. You know, I remember watching an interview with Henry Fonda and he used to throw up, you know, before he'd go on the stage and he'd been doing it for, you know, 50 years he'd been acting, but then he'd throw up before. And so maybe it's, I don't know. It's just, but you know, that's but you what, came back. You asked, you asked the point though. You, you said, or you made the point of maybe, you know, I don't do Am I going to embarrass myself or, or, or do I, should I even be up here on stage? You know, I, I know that, that there are these positive thoughts that you want to have, but you have to really be, you know, visualize your own success. And that's part of the mental hurdle you have to go over. Think of the Olympic skiers. You know, you're seeing them on TV and you watch them with their eyes closed and their hands moving yeah. in the direction right. of the trail. They visualize their own winning of the gold medal. And it's the same thing in speaking. You have to not only practice, you have to believe in your message, and you have to believe the audience is there to listen to your message and really truly buy into that yourself. And all of a sudden, you start to realize that that you're visualizing your own success, and your confidence is going to skyrocket. Yeah, I love that. The visualization technique is so powerful. I had a rowing coach in college that taught us that first. We used to have it sit down in real time, go through the race, uh, as we laid there on the gym floor and visualized the entire race. And uh, it, mm. it's, it, it pays huge dividends to do that. And the same thing with flying. When I learned how to fly, you visualize 
how the flight's going to go and and what you're doing. It, it's a it's a great mental exercise. I can't agree with you more. You know, you got so many lessons learned. I love this kind of story about your transformation and how and how you went kind of from this shy guy to this guy who's confident. He's speaking. He's coaching. He's talking about leadership, talking about how to find a job in tough economic times. But I mean, if you had a list of all your lessons learned, what would be maybe your top three? Uh, we don't have enough time on the show, but, and, and you're limiting me to three. Actually, uh, let's stick with the most recent, and that's the um, looking for a job. Um, when I lost my job and I had to put myself into this mental state, um, and all those lessons turned into the most recent book, Displacement Day, when my job was looking for a job, I had to figure out, number one, where did I want to be? You know, I had to be laser-focused on my location. Did I want to relocate, yes or no? What's my compensation? What's the absolute lowest I can go and still put food on the table for my family? What did I really think my true worth was? And and know what I wanted to do with my skill set. Did I want to become a speaker, trainer, author? Did I want to go into the financial industry? What did I want to do? And you have to be laser-focused in exactly what you want. There's no time to hem and haw. The second thing was you can't do it alone. As much as I wanted to take the pressure off of my children and my wife and my family, um, I needed them as much as they needed me when I was looking for my job. So it was important that that I couldn't do this thing alone and that um, I depended on former colleagues and and mentors and building the right network um, because I, I knew that people could help me if I asked and I was willing to ask for some help. Um, and then there's, the third thing is there's a book out there by Keith Ferrazzi. It's called Never Eat Alone, and it's a, a true decent, it's truly a, a great book on networking. And one of the chapters is Build It Before You Need It. Um, I had learned uh, that, you know, that, that you can't expect this call that's going to come, but you can prepare for it. And because my company was taken over many years before, I had a manager who taught me the value of networking. So when I walked out the door after losing my job, I walked out with an inch-thick file of people I had already met with over the many, many years. And I simply just walked away saying, I can, I just have to tap into my network. So the third lesson I will leave you with is, is build it before you need it. And just don't get yourself caught off guard. Sage advice. Tom, you've got a remarkable story, a remarkable career, I and mean, we could talk for another two hours about some of this stuff, but where can people find <laughs> you? How can people get in touch with you and, 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 and utilize uh, you your services? You can get in touch with me on my website. It's transformationtom.com. They can find my books on Amazon, either by their titles or uh, by just look under the author name, Thomas B. Dowd III. They can find me on Twitter at, at Tom Dowd and the number four. Uh, on LinkedIn under Thomas D. Dowd. On Facebook under Thomas Dowd Professional Development and Coaching. Or go ahead and check out my YouTube channel, Transformation Tom. Tom, you're a busy man. Uh, I could learn a lot from you and trying to establish my platform. Um, I'm glad to have met you. I look forward to collaborating with you in the future. And again, thanks for coming on the show. I'll have links to all of this on your post when it's on the website. Oh, fantastic. And thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk again. All righty. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, 
consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.